0: Hello, hello. Welcome back to Music Therapy and Beyond. If you are just now joining us, we are a podcast focused on education, wellness, and advocacy for the music therapy profession. Our full team are board certified, and we get to host a different segment every week. So whether that's research, we kind of say it, our learning education research segment, clinical wellness, which is what we're going to talk about today, and music. And then on those wonderful fifth weeks, we get to do something special. So that's kind of our bonus week. We're glad you're here, and we are going to dig in today to wellness, and specifically stress and the stress cycle. I have actually been on a journey reading through Burnout, The Secret of Unlocking the Stress Cycle, and that is by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. I have actually been working on, working through this book with a really good friend. Well, she's my best friend. So on a personal side, and then I also have been um, in a a group that has is through um, Soundscaping Source. I don't know if you're familiar with it. We will have links in the show notes, but where it's um, music therapists, they all come together. And this was, they, they had a, a book club. And so I've been listening in on the conversations they've been having um, throughout the last month or so, um, sort of on the music therapy side. So I've kind of looked at this book personally and professionally, and it's been really, really wonderful. And I wanted to share just a little bit about it today. It, it also goes really nicely with some of the trauma-informed care that we've talked about as well as our other wellness segments. And so um, I'm excited to get started today. But before we do, let's take just a moment to center ourselves and get ready for this conversation. with talking about burnout and the again the reminder of the book that I'm kind of taking for inspiration today is burnout the secret to unlocking the stress cycle by Emily and Amelia Nagoski and this book is so good and I have processed through it the last so month and a half and just noted and highlighted and underlined so much stuff in it Um, because there's so much in this book you kind of get through the first chapter and you're like oh my gosh that's like an entire book on itself like it's just talking about stress and stressors and then they continue and really breaking down human giver syndrome and, um, and and just a number of such vital concepts that really all play together so it is a meaty book in my opinion they have done an incredible amount of research it was written over multiple years and I really think that it is it is a must read for really everybody um, because it just has so much so much grit in it it just has so much information so I highly encourage you all will have links to the show notes um, or links for that book in the show notes as well as some podcasts that they've done, one with um, Brene Brown on her Dare to Lead podcast, um, and so I'll, I'll link to that as well as, as well as a couple other ones, um, so you can get to know them and and listen to them talk about the book. Um, but it is it it's kind of separated into three sections, and it, it just there's so much actionable steps that you can take I just really highly encourage it so we're going to just scratch the surface today and first I want to start by talking about burnout. So in the book they mentioned that about 20 to 30% of teachers in America on every any given time period um, have burnout or would consider themselves burnout as well as up to 50% of medical professionals. Now that I would say in the middle of a global pandemic is much higher. They also mentioned that there's not a lot of um, conclusive research about parental burnout, but I would say we are looking at a significant time in our history where that has probably at an all-time high. So I would assume that these numbers right now are much higher. So if we talk about burnout, they define it um, in three components that were initially coined by Herbert Frudenegger in 1975. And the three are emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and a decreased sense of accomplishment. Emotional exhaustion identified as the fatigue that comes from caring too much for too long. And this is the one that is directly linked to our physical health or physical health parameters. Um, especially for women. Number two is depersonalization, and that they identify as the depletion of empathy, caring, and compassion. And then lastly, the decreased sense of accomplishment, which kind of speaks to itself, but they identify it as this unconquerable sense of futility, feeling that nothing you do makes any difference. So the three components um, initially coined for burnout are emotional exhaustion, depersonalization and the decreased sense of accomplishment and the one that they have identified as probably of prime importance is being it, where emotional exhaustion comes in is when what happens when we get stuck in an emotion and don't can't process through it so we're going to talk a little bit more about that as they go through that's just the whole premises of the entire start of the book um, and really is the theme throughout so if you've been with some of our trauma-informed and processed through some of those we've talked about stress and we've talked about um, adverse childhood experiences and how that leads to stress and it affects our body and our brain and so that we're familiar what stress looks like higher cortisol levels that's the neurologic and physiological shift that happens in our bodies when we encounter um, a threat and so you know The quintessential idea is if you're being chased by a bear, you know, we fight, flight, freeze, fold. Um, Those are our body's automatic, evolutionary, adaptive responses. That's our stress. That is how we respond to a stressor. So here's the difference between stressor and stress. So that's stress. That's what our body does. That's the neurologic and physiological shift that happens in our body due to a stressor now a stressor is what activates that stress response so this can be anything we see hear smell touch taste or even imagine that can be harmful so they they kind of identify external and internal stressors so external stressors things like work or financial concerns money family time Um, or the lack thereof of time, Um, cultural norms and expectations, um, experiences of discrimination, etc. There are so many external stressors, but those are just a few. And then some internal stressors can be things like self-criticism, body image, identity, memories um, of the past, you know, and uh, I mean, we can link all of these external stressors as well as internal stressors, you know, shame and guilt, all of those are internal stressors, as well as just concerns about the future. That's kind of an internal stress as well. So that's the difference between the stressor, which activates the body response, and then the stress itself, which is the neurologic and physiological shift that happens in our body. And so they really take pains to say, you know, in this Modern world, we it's not as um, easy as we're either being chased by a bear or we're not. In our modern world, we are cycling through stress all day long. And I would say I speak to this as a mom and speak to this as a, um, a music therapist. And especially, I remember when working when we work with clients, sometimes we're high, our stress response is heightened. That's not always because of something necessarily traumatic or, or really significantly bad that's happening. Sometimes it's just the response we have when maybe our client doesn't respond the way we expect or we come into a school and our whole schedule is changed. Um, it could be slight things like that and there are varying degrees I believe of stress um, is how we respond but the fact is that we are, f- are cycling in and out of that every single day and so Um, our body is physically responding to those stressors that we can't control with a stress response. And that, you know, we've talked about what that looks like, heightened awareness, increased heart rate, increased blood pressure, and uh, uh, rise in cortisol. We also pull down into that brainstem more primitive, let's survive, let's figure it out um, kind of mentality rather than being very calm and being able to access our cognition and so um to varying levels of you know degrees of uh, levels of that we are cycling through that every day and so what they really coin in this book is if you don't finish that stress cycle that's that is just going to stay in your body so if We are cycling through them and we've taken care of, you know, whatever it is that's changed the plan that day or um, we've worked with a client and and gotten behaviors, you know, down and they are manageable, whatever the, the stressor that we address is in that situation or multiple situations, we still have those neurochemicals in our body that are and hormones that need to shift to relaxation they need to complete it's like a tunnel we have to actually travel and pass through we have to deal with the stress just because we've dealt with the stressor doesn't mean we've dealt with the stress itself and the stress itself is what is um, deleterious to our health and so when we talk about that because we have this heightened sense of stress I think we all have so much of us have been aware of this that heightened stress we know it especially in chronic situations like trauma where it really affects the way our brain develops it functions you know way our body responds but it is really deleterious to our digestive our immune our cardiovascular muscular skeletal our reproductive systems i mean this is blowing my mind i i known this but they just smack you right in the face with this in the book and it is so powerful um, to hear them talk about it or to read them talking about this and how important it is and this has really shifted in my brain both my personal and my professional life Um, how we lead our team as well as really just talking about managing making sure that we're managing that that stress and so you know many of us are living stuck with you know, without completing stress cycles because of chronic stressors, you know, because chronic stressors equal chronic stress. And so that could be a difficult position. That could be, um, I mean, even being at home, I would say constantly having to manage work and life that's in, you know, with kids that maybe aren't in school or, um, you're, you know, right now in the middle of a pandemic. And so, so much of our life right now is, you um, is very stressful and so i think that's right now is more important than ever for this book and this information to get in the hands of people because it is um it's just a really great way to think about making sure that we're taking care of ourselves and by doing that we are helping to um, process through that stress cycle okay so let's talk about how we complete the stress cycle and they've given some really great um suggestions in the book the first one is physical movements so between 20 to 60 minutes most days of the week wanting to be pretty consistent about this because if we think about the level of stress and the number of stress cycles that we likely go through in a day it's important for us to go and get rid of those and so um, complete those um, on a more regular basis so those can be running dancing they say sweating it out at a Zumba class um, but really, you know, any physical movement as well as intense and focused progressive muscle tense and relaxation. I know this is one that especially if I get to the if I'm working up a little bit later and I'm even just more aroused by just being up and and working on maybe creative project because in the evenings is of course when you I'm working on creative projects and sometimes I can notice that I get through a stress cycle because maybe I sit for too long but I'm just so engaged in what I'm doing and then I get to bed and I lay down and I'm like oh I know I've got some stress cycles to like get rid of and process through today so I don't want to go out and run and so I could do some yoga sometimes I do that And do some mindfulness with that as well as some deep breathing. But this progressive muscle tension and relax has been so helpful because I actually will be able to process through it and feel this like, um, full body kind of chills and like running through. So I know that that's when I've finished my stress cycle and it's just really been sort of uh, just, it's just really, really helpful for me lately. Um, so this so physical movement is just they say the number 1 way to get rid of a stress cycle. Number 2 is really deep breathing. And so that's the deep slow breathing that helps to down regulate that stress response. So being sure that that breath you goes in all the way out until like your belly contracts is the way they explain it. So they also notify or Uh, mentioned that this is very helpful when stress isn't that high or when maybe you need to, uh, maybe you're in, you're get in a meeting or something and your stress response gets activated, but it's not appropriate at that time to respond um, because you need to sit in the meeting and you need to, um, you know, social appropriateness and all the things and then deal with the stress later. It's helpful to just kind of, get rid of the, the, t- the severity of it I guess but then you need to complete it later on but deep breathing they say is a really great way to help down regulate that stress response number three is positive social interaction so that can be casually um, but friendly social interaction is the very first external sign that the world is a safe place so I love that they identify it like this because this is this really aligns with our trauma-informed care as well is What we need to do is for our own bodies, it's, you know, we need to tell our whole body, all of our systems, we're safe. You can relax. And that's the point of completing the stress cycle in my mind. The fourth, they say, is laughter. And we're not just talking about social ha 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 laughter. We're talking about big, can't breathe, belly hurting, full on laughter. And... They actually quote Sophie Scott, who's a neuroscientist, that laughter is, in quotes, ancient evolutionary system that mammals have evolved to make and maintain social bonds and regulate emotions, end quote. I just love that because I think um, we've all had that experience where you just have a full laughter and then we just relax and we're just like, oh my gosh, I have nothing. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's such a good feeling. Um, The fifth one they mention is affection. So this is really a deep connection with a loving presence. So that can be a partner or a husband or um, a best friend, a parent. Um, But keeping in mind that the whole point of this affection is to communicate to your brain and your body that you are safe. And so they give um, kind of some recommendations of like the 20 second hug, which they explain so beautifully in um, the podcast on Brene Brown's Dare to Leave podcast. Um, but basically, the 20 second hug is you're standing full, f- flat on your own feet. So you're supporting yourself. You're not like leaning into each other, but you have just this 20 second hug where you're, it's, it's deep, it's emotional, it's intentional. And then at the end of it, you just get this release of I'm safe and I'm confident. They also mentioned that um, we also have this six second kiss. There's uh, multiple other ones, but, you know, cuddling and that depending on, you know, who you are and how you respond to affection. But they say that's a really good way as well. Um, six, which is probably one of my favorite, is the big old cry. So everybody, we know this one, uh, just a all out Go in your bedroom, cry it out, um, not, you know, they, they say just the, the act of actually the crying, the physical act of the crying um, is is a way to, to complete that stress cycle. And then the last one they mention is creative expression. So engaging in expressing like big emotions and processing through them, painting, sculpting, um, music, theater, storytelling, poetry, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, And as music therapists, we know that this is a wonderful way um, to express emotions. And now we know that it's a really great way to help um, complete that stress cycle. So so those are some ways that we can complete the stress cycle. So how do we know when we have successfully completed the cycle? They really take um, note that it's not an intellectual decision. You don't just say, okay, I'm done with that stress It's this physiological shift because remember the stress is a physiological response. So we have, it's a physiological relaxation that happens, relaxation in our muscles. um, We deepen our breathing. That's how we kind of know that we've done, we've completed that cycle. Like I mentioned, I get full body chills and they kind of like cycle, get like three or four full body chills and then it kind of stops and then I know that I've, I've gotten rid of those neurochemicals and we've processed through that stress. So they also mention that if you have years and years of stress response cycles spinning that you haven't been taken care of, it might take a while to get through that backlog. And so all you need to do is really to recognize that you feel incrementally better. So you might not get a full relaxation because you're still trying to get through some of those. But you feel incrementally better than you did before you started whatever activity that is, if it's the deep breathing or the social interaction or the physical movement. But I have felt that it is just so important to just be intentional about this and just bring awareness to my body and my brain and just how I, um, that's probably the biggest, biggest change in my life is just the awareness and was the first place I started was how am I Responding, how am I um, noticing when I'm still needing to complete a stress cycle, and um, then how do I feel? How does it feel when I'm I've relaxed and and completed that? So the tips they suggest are find what works for you, build in experiences that complete the cycle regularly, basically on a daily basis. So, um, I really. I want to dig into two different areas and then I'm going to let you go today because this there's just so much in this book and I highly encourage you to dig into it yourself. But the one I wanted to mention that just really fascinated me was connection. So they go on later on in the book to really identify, uh, dig deeper into some of these stressors. And connection is one that I just found so, so fascinating And one I think is really important for us to be intentional with, especially in this time of pandemic when we are maybe not seeing our family and friends um, and our people, our bubble, what they call their bubble of love um, more um, frequently. So they say that connection, and this is per research again, nourishes in a literal physiological way. So, it actually regulates our heart rate and our respiration rate, which then increases our emotional activations um, in our brains and shifts our immune response, changes our exposure to stressors, and modulates our stress response. So, current connection physically does that. You know, they go into describe, um, in quotes, in describing the results of a 2018 study on the health impact of loneliness. A chief medical officer for an insurance company described loneliness as having the same impact on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, end quotes. This is on page 134 in their book. I would have like in my notes, what exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, because this just is blowing my mind. And especially now that we're in the, you know, towards the end, I would say, but we're still in a global pandemic. It's just loneliness impacts our health, our physical health, and it is as deleterious as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It's just, it, it just, I, I just can't even. That that blows my mind. I don't know if that blows your mind, but it does my, it does for me. So, going on to identify what we need: connection and autonomy. This is the oscillating that they kind of talked about in the book they we oscillate between needing connection like physically needing connection and needing autonomy and just that this is why we cycle um every day and throughout our lives. so we need to make sure that we're oscillating between connection and autonomy so they really dig deep into co-regulation which just is i i love because it talk so much about attachment and the basis of that but something we spoke about during our trauma series is this and we really dig into it again in our attachment series um, or attachment episode which is episode nine but from our very first moments our brains are shaped by connection this doesn't change in adulthood we still experience co-regulation with those around us so the importance of finding our in quotes that they they kind of identify our bubble of love so that's not just marriage or romantic relationships but a circle of friends family that will support you and relationships that you can trust when you are being your authentic self and so really finding the importance of building those up around you identifying who those people are and then utilizing them to really help you do that stress cycle and um, participate in that co-regulation because that is something that's just a physical need for us they go as far as to say life without connection is nourishment without food so it's a a physiological need Um, this is particularly difficult right now I would say um, during this pandemic as we've kind of talked about Um, but just remembering that when we look back at the stress cycle, we see connection as one of those, com- those ways to complete that cycle. Um, and I know this is true. So after a good chat with my best friend, um, I relax. We both go away having spoken about hard things in life. And we just, I, I know at the end of our meetings, we just sigh. Uh, of relaxation we always say this is our therapy in quotes and it's true it just it's sort of like that in that it helps us to complete that stress cycle so I I certainly know this from experience in the book they continue to speak about the power of having a friend go through an emotion with you and they tell like in a really amazing story in the connection chapter about a time when a full audience of women belted out love is an open door from, um, from frozen. Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't love Has an open door. It's let it go. It's let it go. And specifically the phrase, this perfect girl is gone. And so just the power of that and what they call in quotes, the Uber bubble. And so where we join together in this rhythmic play, um, to process and express those emotions. And so as music therapists, we're very familiar with this. You know, when we are, you know, making music, singers and choirs and players on a team, they experience this, band members, um, this synchrony that you get from rhythmically doing something at the same time. So this is definitely a phenomenon that is well known to us as music therapists. But knowing this for our personal, we can take these and these strategies and you know I know singing with my kiddos even just like having a dance party and singing with them and that rhythmic aspect of being in synchrony with other people that is a way to help um, complete that stress cycle and so I know even my husband and I have always said that running and walking is the best thing for our marriage and it is um, that synchrony that you get in connection as you're running Together helps us both to complete our stress cycles, and it encourages um, our relationship. It supports that, and so um, I I definitely have personal experiences of of all the things they're talking about here, and so it's the importance that connection is—it is necessary, and that we need to be cycling through connection and autonomy every day. And so I feel like that's um, just really important for us to know as. People And as therapists um, for those that we're working with as well. So the last bit I want to talk to you, I'm going to take like five minutes today is rest. This is the focus of like the last portion of their book. And I'm just going to briefly mention it today and do I think another podcast completely devoted to rest because it is that important. For today, let's go back to the idea of oscillating. So between connection and autonomy in the same pattern, we need to oscillate between work and rest. Um, we dig into research behind rest um, and this profoundly unfortunate things that happen when we don't rest in another podcast. We'll talk about the research behind that. But for now, it is so important. It's it's probably the most important aspect of this. Um in combination with completing that stress cycle. It is the first thing many of us forget and is the most important aspect of preventing burnout and living, quite honestly, a healthy and fulfilling life. Our bodies are meant to rest. I think it's something like 42 or 43% of our life, we have to rest. And rest looks different. We're gonna talk about in that um, rest episode, the difference between active rest And sort of passive rest are actually sleeping and, um, or passive rest being just letting our our mind kind of wander. But if we don't rest, our bodies will take it. So let's be kind to ourselves and rest and be intentional about it. The recommended amount is eight hours a day. And I'm pulling all of this from this book, by the way. Um, Some days it might be closer to seven, where others are closer to nine. But on an average, we need eight hours a day. Is ideal for humans so if you change nothing about your routine after this please prioritize rest Um, in the book they dig very deep into the research which is just fascinating and you should all read this book (laughs) but um, I'll recap it that our brains and bodies need rest physical activity is not complete without rest sleeping is when our body repairs itself and grows stronger learning is not complete without stress Sleeping is when your brain absorbs all that you've learned. So all those late night, all night study sessions, useless. Sorry to say. I did it too, but they're useless. Sleep. Emotions are not complete without sleep. Dreaming is when you can process your emotions. And no sleep heightens your inflammatory immune response to conflict, heightens your reactivity, which means that you're just not a very nice person to be around sometimes. And we know this, when we don't sleep, we're cranky. This is, but there's biological and research behind all of that. So sleep, 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 and sleep. We all know sleep is important. It's important for all of our systems and leaves us retaining more information. It leaves our body stronger and healthier, and we're able to manage our stress more effectively. So please sleep. This is all I have for you today, and this is just such a fascinating book and one I've really um, enjoyed walking through the last few months Um, as we look at burnout as we look at self-care as we look at sleep and rest we really how and how we oscillate um, between all of these during life it's just really fascinating and, and this is a great resource to learn more about it i hope it intrigued you as well today and i appreciate your time appreciate how you're listening and joining us every week and we'll see you again next week for our music segment. Find all the show notes, links, and resources at musictherapyandbeyond.com and on Instagram and Facebook at musictherapyandbeyond. And if you'd like to email us, we're at musictherapyandbeyond at gmail.com. Thank you for the work you do in all the places you do it. Now please, go sleep. Bye, friends.